Welcome to the Unapologetic Niners Fan Podcast, where myself, Gabe, Jake, and Ryan break down the Niners week in and week out. And I usually do a disclaimer. This time I'm going to keep it tight. This ain't the podcast where we pretend to be experts on the All-22. This is the podcast where we live and breathe the Niners. And this is a great week because we get to laugh at the clown show that is the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's like uh, death, taxes, CMC touchdown, Cowboys blowing it in the playoffs. And it is just as fun to watch year in, year out. This one was spectacular fashion. Dak basically turned into Jameis Winston, put on an interception show. Should have been two pick sixes. Should have been way more picks. And the whole thing just imploded. It was a thing of beauty. I got to say, I think Dak kind of turned into a playoff Dak. Yeah. You know, we, we've seen this show before. Um, and got to love the Cowboys, man. They just keep raising the bar on the national humiliation. And two years ago, it was the Dak slide against the Niners, right? Last year, if you guys remember, it was like Zeke lining up behind the center with no line at the at the end of the game and just getting immediately tackled yeah. on national TV against the Niners. Humiliation. And then this is just a whole nother level of humiliation as seven-point favorites. Um, the, the, the Dak pick six in the first half was a true work of art. It was a thing of beauty. Um, and it's, you know, it's like if Monet painted – a pick six to embarrass the Cowboys. It was just absolutely beautiful, brought a lot of joy. And then you got McCarthy just standing there with a blank face, just just a head coach, a dude with no ideas, <laughs> just searching, you know. LaFleur's, like, drawing up these exotic plays. Like, what does Dallas do? They just drop back and, like, send some guys out. They, like, draw it up in the sand in the huddle or something like that. Like, there's no schemes. There's no creativity. So he's just at a loss. Um, and it was really enjoyable to take it all in. Yeah, that was that was awesome. Um, and yeah, you brought it up, Jake. Like the McCarthy stuff. It's like it's all just sort of coming to fruition. That it's imploding. And you know, looking at Jerry Jones. I mean, I don't. I don't wish negativity on like you know people of that age. But like, my gosh, he looks terrible. You know, he's going to axe McCarthy. You don't wish sure. negativity on people of a certain age. No, he's like I a mean, modern he's... day Mr. Burns. Fuck that guy. Jake's an ageist, <laughs> apparently. Jesus. Oh, man. But like, around. The guy's old, all right? He might not be around much longer. Yeah, I, 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 I do want to uh, clear something up that uh, came up because uh, Jake Fitz and myself had the opportunity to watch the, the Packers-Dallas game together. And, you know, I'm dumping on Matt LaFleur, and I just want to be clear that he's still an idiot. <laughs> um, he was just going up against uh, an inept team that played above their head all season with a quarterback that got the accolades that he didn't deserve, um, beat up, up on a bunch of crap teams to pad his stats, um, and when it counts... Uh, the guy's got nothing to show for it. And I just want to say that uh, Brock Purdy deserved to be 
at a minimum uh, second team all pro and, and Dak has no business um, on that roster. And when you Thank talk you. about padding stats, like he really went out with a bang too. If you look at his line yesterday, all of a sudden he's throwing for like close to 400 yards, a bunch of touchdowns. It's, give me a fucking break. Like he shit he the bed in the times. worst fashion. The game was over before he got any of that. It's a joke. Yeah. That's a great point. I think if Dak plays okay in the first half, maybe they hang around in that game, even though they couldn't get any stops. But he threw a pick deep in his own territory and then threw a pick six. And so even though they couldn't get a stop, he still made it much worse and kept them out of any chance of coming out back in that game. Even though you look up at the stat line, 50 yards rushing, 400 yards passing. And the fact of the matter is, is that was very Jameis because Jameis would put up big numbers but would throw back big breaking picks. Always and forever. I want to sorry to jump in. I want to point out too that like with those middle linebackers that Dallas was running out there all season, they were never going to be able to stop the run against like a team that can run the ball and push people around. Those guys just get used and abused if you know how to do it. Um, I want to you know give kudos to these you know seemingly upstart receivers that. Uh, Green Bay has, you know, they were just left wide open. I mean, Dallas didn't show up. Okay. Let, we're getting on a little brand. carried away very, here. Very on brand. We're getting a little carried away here. We're five minutes into the pod and we've spent a lot of time talking about Dallas. I'll say two things that come to mind. First of all, those plays at the end of those Niners playoff games were embarrassing, but let's not pretend like if those plays don't happen, they're winning that game. The fact of the matter is, is the Niners were winning that game regardless. It was just yeah. injury, insult to injury for that clown show that is the Cowboys. The other point here is, once again, Dan Quinn, like in the Super Bowl, somehow escapes blame for his defense <laughs> just getting run rough shot. So just throwing that out there, Dan Quinn going to get a head coaching job, even though he's an absolute loser. So let's do something different because we don't have a Niners game to review this week. We talked and we thought it might be worthwhile to compare this team, this roster, this season to the last Super Bowl winning season. So the 1994 season, which we were all old enough to remember start to finish and was a roster that now that I look at it, had five hall of famers on it. Some of those guys had short runs with the Niners, including Dion and Richard Dent, which I don't remember him being on the Niners, but another Hall of Famer who was on that squad. So how do you think this roster this season compares to that 94 run? I think if you go up and down, uh, it's it's pretty close because when when people talk about that team, it was basically looked upon as, as an all-star team. I think that was maybe the first year of the salary cap where the salary cap started right after. So obviously the teams in the eighties were a little bit different and, and things started to even out. But now in, in this day and age with the salary cap, we, we don't see teams that have this talent where you could call them an all-star team. And, and the Niners do have that. A lot of that is surrounding Brock Purdy's contract. And that was obviously the goal when they drafted Lance is we need to get a cheap quarterback and build around them. And they did that perfectly. I mean, you look at these guys, we just have heavy hitters at every position. So looking back, I think the comparison is is really close. Yeah, really close. Really, really fun exercise to go through looking at these teams next to each other. I think that was the I think that was one of the last years before the salary cap became really restricted. Yeah, I know it was right around there. 
so Eddie was on a mission to go out and, you know, assemble kind of this all-star team to me, maybe the biggest difference is the secondary and that might separate the 94 team, but we got to go deeper to really get to the bottom of that. But a secondary of obviously Dion, uh, Eric Davis, Merton Hanks, like that's nasty, man. Yeah, That is, we're talking about pro bowlers, all prolers and all obviously hall of famers in that group. Um, and then, you know, a nasty D all around the, the Ken Norton edition that year. Um, guys like Richard Dent, you know, coming out of nowhere. Like, obviously that guy just, you know, played every third down every once in a while, but like they were just so deep and so talented. Tim McDonald, Paul yeah, Boyer, Tim. Davis. I love Tim McDonald. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. That, um, I, I agree with that, uh, Jake. I will say though that, you know, Dion was, was first team all pro that year. And, um, you know, I'm not going to go as far to say that, that Mooney Ward is better, but he's definitely a better, better tackler without a doubt. Um, Preach. And I will say that if he is some semblance of a downgrade, it ain't much. Um, I mean, this dude it, it put up a, an insane season on many levels. Um, but I think offensively, uh, this Niners team that we're looking at today is 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 better. Um, you know, obviously, Jerry Rice is the best football player to ever walk the face of the earth. Uh, but I think when you look at, like, the sum of all the parts, uh, obviously, Christian McCaffrey is better than Ricky Waters. Um, you know, I think you can make the argument George Kittle is, is a better tight end than Brent Jones. Um, and, and then when yeah. you combine... You know, Ayuk and Debo. Um, you know, I mean, Jerry Rice was such. I mean, he had 150 targets. Um, you know, it, it, it's quite a bit different. Um, but yeah, I, I will go ahead and make the argument that um, the offense on this team is better um, than that than that team was. And Mooney making the argument for Mooney Ward better than Deion Sanders. This is the content we're here for. Yeah, it's <laughs> a hot, hot. Yeah, I mean, get it. Yeah, honestly, (laughs) nobody's arguing that he's better over the course of his career than Dion because Dion's the best cornerback in the history of the NFL. But if you're just taking a one season snapshot, the level that Ward is playing at with different rules, by the way, things you can do Mm -hmm. defensively now that you can't do back then or vice versa. I think that makes a difference as well and putting this stuff into context. But yeah, I think the offensive unit as a whole is as good, if not better, than that 94 team. Now, the quarterback is where I would say Steve Young is significantly better than Purdy, and we might end up seeing Purdy at a level that Steve Young was on, but I think that season by Steve Young was the best quarterback season of all time, and I don't think it's all that close, even better than Tom Brady's 2007 season. So I think that's an important point. Is Steve Young was just at his peak, the best quarterback I've seen. And I think that includes Joe Montana, just in terms of what he could do, how he could do it again, maybe a hot take, maybe not, but on the defensive side of the ball, beyond the secondary, I think Ken Norton was great. I think Lee Woodall was great. Gary Plummer was great, but Mm -hmm. I think Fred Warner is better than any of those guys. And Greenlaw is up there with any of those guys. And so the linebacking core is as good as it's been. And I would say it's up there with Willis and Bowman. And then they didn't have a pass rusher that is anywhere near as good as Nick Bosa on that team. 
they had some great pass rushers. Don't get me wrong. I think it was Bryant Young's rookie year, if I'm not yep. mistaken. Bryant Young, yeah. Who was a Hall of Famer. And there are some players on that team who were at a level that, at least in their career, were had a Hall of Fame track record. But if you look at this roster, I'm thinking Trent Williams, Hall of Famer, CMC, Hall of Famer, Fred Warner on a Hall of Fame trajectory, George Kittle mm-hmm. on a Hall of Fame trajectory, mm-hmm. and then maybe Nick Bosa on a Hall of Fame trajectory. That's five guys right there who are on Hall of Fame trajectories, in my opinion. And so if you just look at it in a historical context, this is a team that in theory has the same amount of Hall of Famers as prior Super Bowl winning teams for the 49ers. And then, oh, by the way, also has a tremendous amount of absolutely top-notch Pro Bowl, all-pro type players in other positions, which is a tribute to the roster building and the construction and the management of this organization, the culture and all that stuff. But it's easy to say, well, they won a Super Bowl, which the Niners haven't done, and so they need to get there and they need to win this. And some people may say, this is premature to be having this conversation, But the fact is, is that you can put this roster in a historical context and it stacks up well against the best Niners teams we've seen in our lifetime. And if nothing else, that's an absolute blast. Yeah. And let's look back a little bit and maybe I'm missing somebody here. Who who are the Hall of Famers on that team? You got Steve Young, Jerry Rice, Bryant Young, we mentioned, obviously Deion Sanders. Who's the fifth? Richard Dent. And then you had this guy. Yeah, you had that linebacker, Ricky Jackson, as well. Okay. Richard Dent and Jackson were kind of like pass rush specialists. Probably got like fifteen, twenty snaps a game. Wait, maybe. so is Brian Young not in the Hall of Fame? Did I make that up? Brian, Brian Young is in the Hall of Fame. Fame. Yes, okay. he went in like two years ago. Yes. Okay, so then it's actually six, I guess. Six, then, yeah. Yeah. And that was mm-hmm. like you said, Brian Young's rookie year. Um, if you want to compare rookie Brian Young to a healthy like Armstead, who we're expected to have healthy next week, like yeah, I'm kind of probably taking health, Armstead in his prime with health. Stubblefield. Um, Stubbs. Was De- it, he was a player of the year. Part of that team, if I'm not mistaken. No. That's why I missed no, it. Those, he was on the roster. Those are like token Hall of Famers, which is a nice yeah. luxury to have when you're building a super team, I guess. <laughs> uh, a couple of things I'll say is I think the offense, the, the argument that, that our offense now is better than that offense then is is tough. I mean, it's not tough, but it's extremely That's close. close. You go, yeah. You go back and forth on it a long time. And the big differentiators there is Jerry Rice, like you said, best football player of all time. Steve Young in his prime. Um, but it's close. Uh, and, and the stats, you know, obviously show it close. Different era and everything. Like the points we're putting up are similar. Um, but one thing I'll go back to is just how fun Dion was on that team. He brought a sense of just excitement and, like, joy to that team. I think he joined in like week two or something because he was like finishing up the baseball season that so sounds right that just that shows how crazy uh this guy was as kind of an athlete in his time played um, for the giants that year too 94 <laughs> giants team so cool so cool yeah and just like he came in and just delivered from the first time he hit the turf because he's doing you know he's just doing classic prime stuff right he's just getting the interceptions and high stepping into the end zone from the very get-go he had the, the physical altercation, the fight with uh, Andre uh, Bad Moon Rising in Atlanta, you know, came out on top of that one. So he was just like really the icing on the cake of that team and just made it feel so special. That that was one of the greatest slap box fights of all time. <laughs> I'll never forget that. And I was just so pumped watching that. 
And then another person we're forgetting on that team, Mr. McCaffrey, deserves a nod with what's going on here. Kyle's dad, offensive coordinator, if I'm not mistaken, on he that was. team as well. Yep. And Kyle yep. was a on the sidelines there during that time. There's a Wearing lot of a Dion jersey. <laughs> yeah, there's a, a lot of cool stuff with this team and the overlap Baby with City that Christian, team too. That that's Baby another tie-in. <laughs> yeah, this is wild. True. That is wild. And <laughs> the fact that we can even have this conversation is in and of itself pretty insane that that team, which we all sort of remember as a historically great team is even comparable to this team is a tribute again to what they've done and what they've built. I would say another piece of this. And and you talk about Dion, remember that pick six he had against the Falcons where he started dancing at like the 35. Yeah. <laughs> the, the high step, his whole, oh, he I was mean, so nice. So nice. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was the first to really bring it like that. It was just incredible to watch. It was so fun. And then that ended up uh, getting, uh, getting Merton Hanks going too. He kind of started taking plays out of his book with the chicken walk and all of that. And that was, that was a lot of fun. Also those defense, the secondary, man, those, those were all time. What about the North? What about the Norton body blows? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. the old man. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of personality that was, that was on that sick. on those on that team and a lot of personality on this team, which I think is what makes those teams comparable as well. Is you had characters, but you also had just a level of professionalism in both of those teams that was were focused on one thing and it's winning the Super Bowl. That was the story with that team. They had gotten beat by the Dallas Cowboys. They said, Okay. We're going to go out and take your middle linebacker. We're going to sign the best corner in the world. And they beat the Cowboys, which was an all-time great team that they went through and got over the hump. And it is a little bit bittersweet that Dion went to the Cowboys, but he's one of those guys somehow that I just still have love for. Right? A lot of times like you do that and you're just dead to me. And he was for a minute there, but now I just got love for Prime. Yeah, that was a, that was a, at the moment, it was like, fuck this guy, for yeah. sure. But, you know, that, that goes away. And I, he's generally loved around here, too. I, I don't yeah. know a lot of Niner fans that have a lot of ill will towards Dion. I mean, getting that Super Bowl, and looking back, it's a fucking shame that Steve Young didn't get more Super Bowls. Maybe should have, maybe should have. There were some really good teams back then. Obviously, the Cowboys, and then this team kind of molded into when the Packers got really good again in the late 90s, and we were kind of the bridging the gap of the big rivals there but i mean we're, we're kind of back in that now with the, the cowboys and the packers rivalry again so what a they time lost to be to alive the chiefs. they lost to the chiefs that season right and there was the whole oh montana steve young deal monday or, night yeah. yeah monday night joe drove them down mm-hmm. that was very cool for joe i didn't i didn't mind it too much <laughs> yeah and, the- and steve young probably still has nightmares about that yeah and then he got benched against the Eagles when they got waxed, and he was cussing out George Seifert, which is all-time stuff as well. Yeah. <laughs> I got to say, like, the fact that uh, Paul still gives Dion a thumbs up is a true, true testament to Dion. Because we're talking about a guy in Paul who, you know, normally if anyone says anything or does anything or looks maybe sideways <laughs> yep. towards the Niners, yep. they are absolutely dead to him. Yep. Dead to so him. that really yep. says it about Dion. Yep. Let's not forget um, 
you know, where Paul lives, though, and what, what that means. Like, this could be new for him. <laughs> I just want to make that clear. He's but yeah. he's but lives in buff country for all the listeners. Yeah. Prime has taken over Colorado, although it's kind of funny because there's a lot of Colorado State fans around here who are super bitter about it. And it's like Colorado State, nobody cares. So nobody will care. And their only national championship, the Buffs, was a split national championship with Georgia Tech. So, I mean, not exactly a football powerhouse. Yeah. And I sure don't think we care. <laughs> no. I don't think anyone listening really cares, to be quite honest. No. <laughs> so... I think we're in agreement that this team at the very least can be spoken about in the same breath as that 95 team. Absolutely. And this conversation isn't done yet. We, we still got a lot of work to do. This is a fun little exercise. It's been great watching and comparing these teams, but hopefully we can revisit this again in a month yeah. or so. And there's probably some gray hairs out there who are saying, well, what about those 80s teams? And we can do that at some point. We just figured it was the most recent Super Bowl winning team. So let's do it. Just do a side by side. Hopefully this Easy team does. Easy with the gray slander, guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. But we hopefully we'll get a chance to do some historical comparisons against some of those 80s teams, especially that 89 team. Assuming, of course, that the Niners get the job done. So. Before we get into previewing the next week's matchup, we thought it was a good idea to maybe pick some players for the season as opposed to just the past week because we didn't have a game. So why don't we go around the horn and pick our favorite player from this season? Yeah, I'll, I'll go first if you guys don't mind. Um, I'm going to go with Fred Warner. And I, Great pick. I, I love everything about him. I know we all do. He has just solidified himself as the best linebacker out there. And it's it's funny to look at because we have last year and Bosa being Bosa, who is just a generational talent coming off defensive player of the year and expecting that, hey, maybe he can go do this again. And Warner just really shows like, hey, this is still my defense. Obviously, they're on the same team, same mission, all of that. But Warner stepped up, and he really is the best defensive player on this team. He, in in all of the games, he's everywhere. And he is a leader, these guys, on and off the field. The way that they talk about him, the, the things that he does that you can't see on the football field are just incredible. And everything that he's been able to contribute this year, I think, just adds to the cohesion of this team as a whole, which is another one of their big strengths because it's easy for the wheels to fall off. And we've had a couple bumps in the road and these guys always stuck together. And it's people like Fred Warner who are really the glue of this team. And I'm just so fired up with what he's done this year. Unanimous first team, all pro. Yep. What a yep. absolute savage. Great pick fits. Yep. Excellent. You want to go Gabe? Sure. I'll go. As the listeners know, I have an affinity uh, for homegrown receiver named Brandon Ayuk. Um, and this guy just had an incredible breakout season. Um, I was so glad, you know, as bummed as I was that he didn't make first team all pro, um, which I think, you know, and, and Paul touched on this a little bit in the past that, you know, th this isn't a like a pass heavy offense. I mean, we run the ball a lot 
And so his ability to get opportunities on a week to week basis isn't the same as, you know, some of the other guys that that did win that award. Um, but underneath the surface, I mean, this guy is is absolutely so for him to win second team, I, I really do believe is like a testament to the type of season that he had. Um, you know, he would just shredded teams all season. He was the type of guy that Purdy was able to get the ball to in crucial situations. Um, you know, he ultimately, I think, um, I think he was second amongst like, you know, whatever qualifications were needed in yards per reception when it was all said and done. I think, I think Pickens, you know, on some fluke plays late uh, may have passed him, but, um, but yeah, uh, most of his catches, uh, went for first downs. I think it was like 70%. Um, just a huge breakout season and, you know, really ended up being the focal point of this passing offense. Um, and yeah, I mean, the the dude is just high character. You know, his story when, you know, he came out and wasn't doing some of the things that, that Shanahan wanted him to be doing when he, when he wasn't getting Locking. the ball and fixing things. Um and turning into like one of the best route runners in the NFL. Um, he's just a, just, you know, absolutely one of my favorite players. And I, so I'm picking the breakout receiver, uh, Brandon. Ayu. Yeah. Great, nice. great pick. He's great about pick. to get paid and CD lamb had 180 targets this year. Ayuk had like a hundred targets and did all that work mm -hmm. and all that production on a hundred targets. So 80 fewer. I mean, Great pick. What a, what a season for that guy. And I'm, I'm really happy for him. Like you said, the journey. Yeah. 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 It's, it's kind of a breakout on top of a breakout season, yeah. right? Yeah. He was great last year and even better this year, developed the chemistry with Purdy. Um, and to your point, second team all pro is, is finally acknowledgement, you know, of kind of how great he was this year. Uh, for me, I mean, normally when I, when I watch the game and then rewatch the game, the guy who flashes is uh, Drake Greenlaw. You know, that's just the way that's, that's the way the chips fall, you know, just about every week, week in and week out uh, for, for many reasons. Uh, however, looking at the totality of the season, um, I got to say uh, CMC edges him out in my book. Wow. Uh, and honestly, like, you know, talk, yeah, very high praise. Great pick. Uh, but it's been that kind of season. Um you know, he's obviously head and shoulders above any other running back in the NFL. It's not remotely close. No one even talks about it. It's just understood. Um, he's obviously asked to do so many different things for this offense and really unlocks all the wild, crazy scientist stuff that Shanahan, you know, would ever hope and dream to be able to do. Uh, so it doesn't matter if he's taking a handoff um, and turning a negative one-yard gain into a four-yard gain you know, or breaking explosives on the regular or going out and running a pass out of the slot um, or the wide out position. He absolutely does it all. And honestly, I think as we bear down for this playoff run, um, I really feel like he's going to shine in, in a big way. Obviously, defenses are always focused on stopping him. It's probably their number one priority. But I just see him being on such a mission. I mean, if you just watch and observe Christian McCaffrey, he's obviously so focused and so serious about his craft uh, and so focused on winning a Super Bowl. So I really think 
uh, he's a player who is going to absolutely shine and be celebrated at the end of this run if we continue to take care of business week in and week out. Hell yeah. Hell Great pick. pick. Great pick. There was a... There was kind of a consensus that the Niners gave up too much for him, by the way, when they made that trade, which in retrospect, a lot of those people that made that case clearly misunderstood who he is, what he does, and what he might have meant to an offense like Kyle Shanahan. So what a what an what a elite hosing. what an elite player he is, probably the best offensive weapon they've had going back to Jerry Rice. And I would say he's better than Terrell Owens just in terms of what he represents as an offensive weapon. So just a a tremendous season for that guy. And I mean, I want to give a shout out to Brock Purdy because he's the quarterback and he had an incredible season, historic season in many ways, advanced statistics for him are off the charts and he didn't somehow make an all pro team, which is insanity. And that's really going to, hopefully fuel him as he goes into the playoffs and, and goes against his Packers team next weekend. But I'm actually going to take Debo. And the reason I'm going to take Debo is because he had another season quietly, a thousand scrimmage yards plus was had double digit touchdowns once again. And importantly came into the season in as good a shape as he's ever been had a conversation with Kyle Shanahan after the year last year, where he got his contract came into the season out of shape. And he said, I'm never going to put anything like that on tape again. And it was true to his word. He is as dynamic a player as I've ever seen. Very different than CMC, very different than Ayuk. But as Warner sort of stirs the drink on defense, I think Debo stirs the the drink on offense. And it showed when they were missing him for that three-game stretch. He shows up in the biggest moments. He carried them to the NFC Championship game couple seasons ago and I expect him to ball out in the playoffs because there's just something about that guy with the ball in his hands in space not just the type of acceleration and speed he has which I don't think shows up on a 40-yard dash but shows up on tape there's just a level of physicality to him that people want no part of and having him in the stable of horses that they have is what I think gives me so much confidence in this team's ability to go out and beat anyone. And I just love that guy. I love how he plays. I love what he represents. And I love how he talks about Brock Purdy because he doesn't have to say the stuff he says about him. Neither does Ayuk or anyone else, but he does. And he goes to bat for that guy. He wore a puffy vest with Purdy's number on it and MVP around it emblazoned by Kyle Juszczyk's wife. Christian Juszczyk. Yes, which is uh, this team. I just love this team so much. And we probably got to talk about this Packers game before we run an hour on this podcast. But great pick. Debo, great pick. That Debo, great Great pick. pick. Just a a trendsetter in the fashion world, too. Really proud of that one. Really proud of that one. Kelsey's girlfriend out there copying Debo from a stylistic (laughs) standpoint. You just love to see it. Trendsetter. So, (laughs) Packers. Not what really any of us expected necessarily, but they've been playing some good ball. I saw saw a stat, and I know Jake's going to hate this, weighted DVOA. They're in the top five on a weighted DVOA basis. I think some of that is the the DVOA stat they put up against the Cowboys, which was historically great. But this is a team that's young and hungry, and they're coming to Levi Stadium to to get some, and I think they're going to get it. But anyone have any thoughts on this matchup? I I was surprised. 
what they did in Dallas, obviously Dallas being Dallas, but the way that the Dallas defense crumbled, I mean, Love looked good out there. He was he was slinging it. He was buying time. He was finding the open receivers. Um, I haven't watched a lot of Packers football this year, admittedly. I know that they were not looking great. Their first couple games, I think, were good, and then it all started to fall apart. People were out on Love, and then if you look at the second half of the year, They've kind of started to put it together, and they've they've looked the part. I think that you know they definitely deserve that win against Dallas, but they're unfortunately running into a buzzsaw with a arrested Niners team at home. So I, I, doesn't change my opinion of of us moving on. I, I don't think that the matchup was going to mat- matter too much for us here, but I welcome them. Yeah, welcome to Santa Clara. Um, you know, since we did a little looking back in historical context earlier this pod, like it might help to do a little Packers historical context. And that. You know, if we just look at this century, you know, which we're almost a quarter of the way through, uh, you know, you, you look at the Kaepernick era, Kaepernick had ownage on the Packers. Uh, you look at the Jimmy G era, Jimmy G had ownage on the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. And that really culminated in uh, the famous Jimmy G line after uh, going out to Green Bay and beating them in the ice cold. Fuck the Green Bay Packers. Wow. Which, you know, was just really fun to watch him lead the team, congratulate them, and then uh, make that statement at the end, especially him being a Chicago guy, you know, just had that much more ump in it. So I really loved that. So, you know, the Packers – they were happy to be at the party. You know, yesterday was their Super Bowl, as far as I'm concerned. Um, some Packers fans are clamoring for respect, which, you know, I think is kind of amusing. Uh, I think the early line was like negative 10. Uh, I was favored by 10. Is that right? Negative 10? Negative 10. Weird, weird <laughs> way to put it. <laughs> yeah, Niners open nine and a half, 10 point favorites is what he's trying Minus to say. Minus nine but yes. and a half or 10. So. If the Packers fans are clamoring for respect, like Vegas obviously has no respect for them. Um, Some things have started to click for Jordan Love. That's great. Uh, Dallas was a fraud. Enjoy your Super Bowl. uh, And we'll see you Saturday night. Gabe? Yeah, um, I I mean, I guess you you tip your cap to them. I, I... Like Jake said, Dallas, Dallas did what Dallas does in the playoffs, and Dak also, and you know Lafleur had the best of of Mike McCarthy. You know, is that something that we should be saying is some incredible feat? I don't think so. Um, <clears throat> and I really do believe that you know they had a lot of success running the football. Um, Armstead's coming back. You know, huge. You, you get past the line, and you're going to run into the best linebacker middle linebacker tandem in the nfl um this is gonna be a lot different for them um and you know i i don't know i I think 10's right yeah so it seems like love had um, all day in that last game yeah (laughs) negative 10 (laughs) love had all day in that last game that's uh, he can't expect that to happen again yeah look i think one other thing i'll just chime in real quick because you mentioned LaFleur, um, you know, <laughs> Shanahan obviously has ownage over guys like McVay, 
who kind of come from his coaching tree. Uh, LaFleur was under Shanahan at both Houston yeah. and Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have that going for us. And it's not just because Shanahan is better at putting in plays and scheming up an offense. It's because he's in the defensive room, letting those guys know how someone who was under him, who is trying to be like him, is going to attack their defense. And clearly that goes a long way because you don't win nine in a row against the Rams and just own teams like that just because he's drawing up good plays. It's because he's involved in all assets, uh, all facets of uh, game planning. Yeah. So I think it's pretty simple. The The Packers offense has been pretty good down the stretch. The Niners offense is historically great. The Packers defense is objectively trash. The Niners defense is objectively one of the best units in the league. So you stack those two things up against each other. The Niners are the far superior team. Now, the only thing I would say is that Aaron Jones is a really good running back. So if they can't stop the run, which they've had trouble doing at times this year, that could get them into a game script. That's not necessarily in their favor. I don't foresee that again. Armstead coming back makes a massive difference to their run defense. And Beyond that, the only thing that worries me is the weather. If things get a little sloppy, then that might level the playing field a little bit. That's typically what happens when you've got a heavy favorite going against an inferior team. If the weather is a equalizing factor, then maybe some stuff gets weird. But even then, the way the Niners play and the fact that they aren't a team that relies exclusively on the pass. They're a team that is anchored to the run and generally speaking, wants to pass off of that run game, I think positions them well for a game like this if the weather is indeed bad. So my prediction for this game is a blowout. I think they cover the spread comfortably. I think the Packers have had a great run and they've got a bright future with some of those young skill players that they've got. And Jordan Love seems to have turned a corner, but I think Brock Purdy is better than Jordan Love. I think, again, both units for the 49ers are vastly superior to both units for the Packers. And it's going to come down to the better team at home, embarrassing another team. Yeah. What 35... they did too is. Sorry, go ahead on the number there. 35 to seven. Blowout. Blowout. Yeah. Defensively, we know that they're not the best unit out there. All they did last game is let's take away CD. Let's throw everything at him and see what they can do. Well, Dak's going to shit the bed. They don't have anything else. We saw exactly what they did. With this Niners team, you can't take a weapon away. We have too many weapons. We're spread out. You need to cover everybody, which is near impossible. So they're in for a long day. That's a great point, Vince. You want to put a number out there? 30. Yeah, I'm thinking along the same lines. I think Paul made a good point about the run game. Like, we just got to focus on stopping the run, stopping Aaron Jones. Um, or any of the kind of like elaborate screens they want to draw up for him. Uh, if we do that, very confident in them not being able to keep up with our offense um, and becoming one-dimensional as we extend our lead. I'm feeling something like 38-20. Um, probably won't feel that close, uh, but uh, that, that's kind of what I envision for this game. All right, Gabe, bring us home. Yeah, I just want to – I feel like in this game you were talking about the weather – I don't really see it as an equalizer here. I I think it enhances our ability to uh, to beat them. Uh, Either to be way, honest. we're talking about Santa Clara showers. Like, yeah, what's that mean? Fair enough. Um, I'm gonna say thirty-one uh, seventeen. Uh, um, yeah, and I agree. I, I think you know. I I don't think even the game will be as close as as that score 
uh, might seem. Love it. Pretty 30 uh, This was a blast. This was an absolute blast, guys. Great work. Go Niners. Yeah. All right. Go Let's Niners. go get another win, boys. Go Niners, baby. Thank you.